Um, let me just encourage you, if you haven't yet dove into the fast, hey, pick something to give up. Fasting is just simply giving up something to replace it with time with the Lord. And what it is, is just it's emptying our desires for human things. So it could be food, it could be a social media, it could be things that you intake constantly and it's pushing pause on that for a bit. And we're taking 21 days and saying, Lord, we're going to set these things aside because we want more of you. And we found that it's a great way that Jesus preached on it with his disciples, that there's some levels of prayer you can't get to without fasting. There's some depths you can't go to unless you fast. And what Jesus was teaching is, and what we found to be true is, when our human flesh is running the show, it drives our desires. But when we say no, and it's hard. How many have ever tried to give up food? It's very hard, especially if you're giving up sweets. Anybody else have a sweet tooth in the building? You know what I'm talking about. I love sweets, and every meal should have sweets attached to it, okay? Or it's not a complete meal. And so for me, giving up sweets is very, very hard. So when I do, oh, my body is screaming at me, grab some chocolate, grab a Milky Way, grab something to, to give me. And in the fast, it's just, it's one of those like alarm clocks that reminds me of like, man, I'm not just fasting because I'm on a diet. I'm not just fasting because it feels good or it's the religious thing to do. No, I am fasting because I want more of the Lord. So I want to encourage you, if you haven't dove into the fast yet, you can join us. We have 14 more days, and it's really a time that you can set apart to get closer to the Lord. And let me tell you, with that comes the relationship with Jesus tightening. It comes your desires becoming his, and then you see your world and every opportunity in front of you now through the lens of heaven. It's life-changing. So I encourage you to jump into that. We're in a year of torrent. We just got started. And this torrent is an unceasing, unstoppable flow of what the Lord is speaking and producing. Come on, somebody help me and say speaking and producing. This is the torrent of the Lord. It's in his voice. Now the word torrent, it comes from torrential and it's from the rushing of many waters. And some of you have heard me say this, that we are diving into the rushing waters of his voice. Throughout scripture, you see in Revelation, they talk about the voice of the Lord sounding like many waters. When Isaiah was talking prophecy over the Lord's voice, he would say it sounds like many waters. When, when John had the picture of heaven, when the angel showed him heaven, heaven's throne was sitting with a river of living water coming out of the throne room. And so when we think of water, when we think of a flow of river, we think of the Lord's voice. And so this year, Torrent, is a year where we are diving into what the Lord is speaking. So his voice is number one. His voice is number one. So it's a mighty rushing waters, hearing his word, is jumping into the outpouring of heaven. And this fast is really to lean into hearing that voice clear. Because if we can hear the voice clear, the flow changes everything. When we jump into this flow, it changes every part of our life. So hearing his voice is the key to jumping into this movement. I think about it like this too. Your walk with God is only as strong as your obedience to his word. Some would argue that, right? It's like, well, my walk with God is only as strong as my faith in God. Or my walk with God is only as much as I 
believe in Jesus. Yes, that's good to have faith and believe, but the Bible says that faith without action is what? Dead. It says faith without action is dead. So this is so important that we hear God's voice because our walk with Christ, our walk with God is only as strong as our obedience to his word, our obedience to what he's saying over our lives. So you and I need to know his voice. Amen? You and I have got to get clarification of what he sounds like. We have got to know when the Father speaks what it feels like, what it does to us. I love the word picture the disciples when they talked to them when he came back from the dead. He died on the cross and then he rose again. He was walking along with them. They didn't know it was him. But when they left him, they said, oh, when he spoke, it was like our hearts were on fire. That's what I want this year. That when the Lord speaks, my heart's on fire. And when he, when he says something, I know it. I want to set some context for today. In John chapter 2, verse number 6. We're going to start in John chapter 2. And this is Jesus' first miracle. His first miracle ever done from anonymous to this moment. And we find him at a wedding. And John chapter 2, verse 6 says this. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to his servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Let's pray. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you for this opportunity to hear your word. And I pray for every person in this room that they would not only hear the word, but they would capture it. They would Uh, you would anoint their ears to hear and receive the word, that they would walk in it. And I pray that it would transform the way that we think, transform the way that we live, let it become a part of our lives, and let this week even be a week where we go deeper into understanding what you are saying. And everybody said, amen. There's gonna be times this year that the Lord will speak to you and the Lord's gonna speak to me. And he's gonna tell us these things that sometimes the things that the Lord says doesn't always make sense to what we're praying for or believing for. How many of you have ever experienced that with your relationship with Jesus? Where you're praying for something and then he tells you to do something else. And I believe that I wanna give you a word today to help you navigate those moments, to help you in those times where he tells you, fill the jars with water. The outpouring this year is activated by his voice and it's in his leading and in its guidance that we are going to find our next step. Come on, somebody say it with me. Say your next step. We're all living in this moment of our next step. You've come to your chapter where your next step is vital. It's vital to your success. It's vital to your family. It's vital to what's going to happen in the future. It's vital to relationships you'll meet. It's vital to the the life you're going to feel. It's vital to your healing. It's vital to your mental state. Your next step is so important but it's in his guidance that we get this. And so we find Jesus at a wedding. Now, we just came out of a wedding season and lots of weddings going on, but Jesus and his disciples and his mother was invited to this wedding in Cana. Now, when we think of weddings, we think of a little differently than they had it back then because in the biblical times, they would have a wedding and it was a celebration for seven days. And so the wedding party would plan to have their close, intimate friends and family around 
for seven days of celebration, seven days of eating, seven days of drinking to your heart's content, celebrating for seven whole days. How many are so thankful we kind of stepped away from that? Okay. Can you imagine? You got like seven weddings on your schedule. You're like, well, there goes my month, you know? There goes my whole quarter. But they would have a time where they celebrate. And so when they say they ran out of wine, right in the middle of the wedding, they ran out of wine. This to us might not seem like a big deal. You know, we would say, you know, send somebody to the store and, hey, grab some more bottles of wine and bring them to the party because we got to keep going. But in those days, it was different because everybody would be traveling for days to get to this location. And sometimes it would be remote. And we find Jesus in this wedding. And if somebody could help me with my mic, it seems like there's a little bit of feedback or something going on. Um, but the couple ran out of wine. So we find Jesus. And I want to look at his mother. Because his mother is there in, in John chapter 2, verse 3. If you go back a little bit, it says, When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Now Jesus' response to her, he said to her, what business do you have with me, woman? My hour has not yet come. In other words, Jesus was, because we look at that, we're like, whoa, Jesus, chill out. It's your mom. <laughs> but Jesus, what he was saying is that once this thing gets unveiled, once my glory is revealed, it can't be undone. Once this thing gets started and my public ministry begins, there's no one doing this thing. There's no going back. And at that moment, he had not felt like that was the time that the Lord was drawing him to start his ministry. <laughs> but don't you know there's a way that a mom pushes past those boundaries? <laughs> I'm so thankful for godly women in our life. She said, Jesus, they have no wine. She says, what business do I have? And then I think Mary gives us, and this is what I want to land on today. Mary gives us a description and a direction for this year. She really sets it all out. If you don't remember anything else about what I'm talking about today, get this line. She looks to the servants and says this, whatever he tells you, do it. Whatever he tells you, do it. Now, can you imagine if you lived your Christian life like that? Whatever he tells you, do it. And in this voice-activated revival that we're in this year, Corinth, where the Lord is promising, hey, if you step into my voice, my word, there's going to be an outpouring in your life, outpouring of power, outpouring of me, outpouring of my presence, my leading, my direction, my clarity. It's all in the flow. And I think this is a, a direction that we have to look at and say, this is our guidance. If we give each other counsel and you come to me and you're like, hey, what should I do for this? Hey, I'm going to tell you all I can. I'm going to encourage you with what I know. I'm going to give you all that I can. But you know what I'm going to stamp that thing with? Whatever he tells you, do it. You have to be leaned into the Lord because he's the one who knows what you need to do. I may have good advice or counsel or your friend or your parent or that person in your life that you always go to. They might have some really good counsel in that moment. You're like, oh, that feels so good. Yes, that should be good. But let me tell you, the number one thing you should be looking for is what is he saying? What is he telling you? This has got to be the way that we lead our lives because let me tell you that when you run out, because some of us, we, we're in a place where we're like, you know what? 
I'm facing a decision. I need to know what to do. Let me encourage you. Lean in. What is he telling you to do? Do it. Maybe you've been in that place where you feel like you've run out of something. Maybe you feel like the wedding party where you're like, man, we plan for this celebration. We plan for this time. We plan to build this as a family. We plan for 2024 to be this. And you're going to come to a season where you meet, you might run out. It's like, oh, shoot. We didn't plan to have enough of, or there wasn't enough money for this, or there wasn't enough time to get this done and come to that point where you don't have enough. Hey, let me tell you, in that moment, whatever he tells you, do it. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Because this, listening to his voice, changes everything you do. And you plug whatever you got going on into the power of God. John chapter two, verse six, let's go back to it. Jesus, looking nearby, there was six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Now this is a great picture of sometimes what it feels like to follow Christ. Because we ask him, Lord, won't you fill that part in life? We don't have enough. Won't look, Lord, we don't have any more. We don't have any more wine. We don't have any more things that we've been planning, what we've been doing. And he looks at something that doesn't even make sense to what you're praying. He says, fill the jar with water. Can you imagine what the servants are thinking at that moment? Because you have to understand these jars, the jars that he was telling them to fill were actually the ones at the front door. That when people walked into your house, they would use that water to wash off their feet and they would clean their hands before they came in and ate. So this was like a mudroom jar, okay? This was like, wash yourself before you come in. Use that water in the jar. And he's saying, they're saying, hey, Jesus, we don't have any wine. And he's saying, fill the wash jar with water. Are, are you seeing the confusion there? It's like, do what? No, we don't need to fill the jars with water. Do you know how long it takes to make wine? Are you thinking about like making a juice cocktail here? Are you, are you thinking about like, doing a mix-in? Like what is going on? And how many have ever felt like that in your life where you're praying for something that God's telling you to do something way out of, the, out of the box? And you're like, no, God, I need more wine. He's saying, fill the jar with water. And I want to ask you today, what, what are the jars that God is, is pointing you to? That maybe you're in a place where you're saying, Lord, Take away my depression. Lord, set me free from my anxiety. And he's saying, fill the jar. Fill the jar of relationship. Fill the jar of community. Fill the jar of connection. You're saying, Lord, oh, we don't have enough finances, Lord. I, I, need, I need money for my bills. How many are paying that, praying that this year? Praying for more, 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 Lord. And, and sometimes we do that and, and saying, hey, fill the jar, fill the bucket of generosity. Fill it. If you, if you fill this bucket, I can flow into it because the Lord can't touch. I love how Tozer says it. He says, the Lord can't change what he cannot have. I think a lot of times we overlook the jar. Because it's a washroom jar, God. 
I'm praying for freedom from being depressed. And you're telling me to fill the jar of relationship? What? No, I need freedom. And God's saying, if you will fill what I've asked you to fill, if you will do the things that I'm calling you to do, if you will put in what I'm telling you to do, I can touch what you fill, but I can't change what I don't have. I can't touch what you don't fill. And the Lord used that moment. I love how Tom Perry says, he says, obedience is a choice between our limited knowledge and God's unlimited knowledge and power. Obedience is that in between. It's that bridge between us stepping into the unlimited knowledge and power of God because how many know when you're on this side of the jar and you're looking at the jar to be filled with water? You're, you're in this limited knowledge. And you're like, why would I give if I'm asking God to give me more money? <laughs> why would I be generous with my time if I already don't currently have enough? Why would I be, some of us even pray, Lord, give me new opportunities. And yet the Lord is calling us to fill the jar of of being a good steward with what we have currently. And we're like, Lord, give me a new job. And he's like, take care of the one I gave you. Lord, give me new relationships. He goes, steward the ones you have. I see way too many people. Lord, give me a new church. Well, what, have, what have you done with the one you've been in? Lord, give me more money. Well, how are you being faithful with what's in your hand right now? Or maybe some of you parents, Lord, give me new kids. Not be faithful with what's in your hand. Be faithful with what God's given you. Obedience is that choice between our limited knowledge and the God's unlimited knowledge and power. Let me promise you this. He will always move upon what we are willing to fill. I want to show you a clip. It's by the chosen. They took us into that moment at the wedding, and it just gives a beautiful picture of what it might have felt like to be those servants. I want you to pay attention to the servants when he's giving them those commands and put yourself in that place where God is calling you to fill the jar. Check it out. Everyone, please step outside. Just for a moment, Thomas. you make that first cut into the stone, it can't be undone. It sets in motion a series of choices. What used to be a shapeless block of limestone or granite begins its long journey of transformation. And it will never be the same. I'm ready, Father.
go draw some out and serve it to the master of the banquet. Stop the music! Stop the music! Everyone, listen! I have something I would like to say. I would like to address the bridegroom and the bride families. At every wedding I've ever overseen, they serve the best wine first. And then, when the people have drunk freely, much later in the feast, they serve the poorer wine, the cheap stuff. <laughs> because by then, who is going to notice? <laughs> Am I right? But you, you have chosen now to serve the best wine I have ever tasted. Let us thank them for this unnecessary but honorable gesture. That is what God can do with jars full of water. I love the wedding. I don't know if he's the planner or what he is in that day, but I love his reaction to it. He's like, some save, they, they, they save the cheap stuff for the last, but you gave the best. And I love that because this is what the Lord always does is when we give him what we have, he gives us better than when we were praying for. If we settle for what we can do, we can only do what, what our hands can produce. But let me tell you, everything in his hand, hear me on this, everything in his hands is an opportunity for an outpouring. Everything we give him everything we give them ownership of, everything we lean into and say, Father, it is yours. And a lot of you on this fast are doing that. You're realizing there are things in your life that you need to give to the Lord. There's some things that you cut out of your life that you're like, you know what? I'm gonna keep it cut out because I'm better off without it. And that's just the wisdom of the Lord, man. When the Lord comes in and starts to teach you and train you and say, hey, you don't need that a part of your life. Fill the water. Fill the jars, fill the things that seem like no one wants to use them. And I love how Jesus uses that which nobody would have used. No one would have looked at the wash jar and said, hey, let's use that for the best wine we're going to give these guests. But Jesus always uses the incomparable things, the things, the lowliest things. In fact, the Bible says that he makes the least the greatest. In fact, that's how Jesus came, right? He came to Nazareth where everybody said, 
What good thing could come from Nazareth? Can I encourage you that Jesus always uses the least part of your life, the most ugliest parts of your life, parts where you're like, how could I ever do that? He wants to use it to make a miracle happen. And a miracle not only for you, but a miracle that can bless everybody in the vicinity of your life, everybody around you. I love how Dr. Cliff Lewis says like this, at a molecular level, the water, basically hydrogen and oxygen, was changed into wine that contained sugar, yeast, and water, which contained carbon and nitrogen along with oxygen and hydrogen. Thus, changing water into wine, Jesus demonstrates his authority over even the atomic structure of atoms by commanding oxygen and hydrogen atoms to disassemble and then reform into other atoms of different configurations. The amount of energy it would take to perform this atomic deconstruction and reconstruction is staggering. This intermolecule, forgive me, intermolecular energy being released is the source of the explosive energy from an atomic bomb. However, since Jesus caused the wine atoms to to come back together again, he would have to put this astronomical amount of energy into the atoms in order to have them reconstruct. To do so without any visible energy, transforming of the liquid, John says nothing, anything about people noticing the transformation, indicates a mastery of national level, far beyond our current comprehension, and he accomplished it with no physical exertion. This is the power of what we serve. This is the power of the Lord we worship. This is the power of the one we are getting close to. This is the power of our God. That what was just seemed to be just mm, a spoken of his word, a touch of his hand was a master masterpiece in the making. And this is what the Lord wants to do in your life. To take something that's oxygen and hydrogen. Take something that's so minuscule in our eyes. Say, Lord, why would you want me to fill the jar with water? How many of you like this, man? When you have a jar and God's calling you to fill it. That's why I even call today, fill the jar. Fill the jar. Fill the jar. Whatever the Lord's calling you to fill, fill it. Because when God gets involved, he can change the molecular structure of what you put in that jar. He, it's not, not, now it's not just money you put in. Now God can transform and change it into something that is transforming your life and others. When you give him time and talent, when you put that into the jar and you're saying, Lord, I'm praying for this, but Lord, you're calling me to do this. All right, I'm going to put it in. When you do that, he transforms it and puts all of his miracle power into the jar. How many want that transformational power part of your life? God, that's what we want. We want to be touched by you. So my prayer and my prayer for you is that we realize the jars that we are to fill. What's the jar that God's calling you to fill? It might not make sense. And you might be overlooking that jar. You might be overlooking it and just praying for a miracle. Lord, give me a miracle. And he's saying, fill the jar. Lord, just touch it and change it. And and there's something right underneath your nose that the Lord is calling you to fill. When we bring what the Lord calls us to bring to him, he replaces it with something that brings something that only he can bring. So how do we fill the jar this year? And I want to ask you that. What is the jar? What's the jar for you? What's the Lord calling you to fill up, to pour yourself into, 
Some of you are like, I don't know. And that's okay. It's okay to be in that space where you do not know and you need to lean into the Lord and say, Lord, what are you calling me to do right now? How do you want me to invest in the miracle you're about to perform? How do you want me to take part in what you want to do in this moment? Yes, I'm going to pray like it depends on you. But Lord, I'm going to obey like it depends on me. Oh, I'm going to pray for God's miracle because I know I can't do without him. But you better believe I'm going to lean in and say, God, what's my part? Maybe we need to practice that. You want to practice with me? What's that, Lord? Leaning in? Lord, what, what did you say? How would that transform your life? I know it would change mine. If I'm ready to do something with my family, and all of a sudden I lean in. God, what are you saying over what we're doing? Or we face something with the kids. And if you're a parent, you know there's just always challenges and always things that pop up. And it's like, wow, I need the Lord's direction. And in that moment, what is the Lord telling you to do? What is the Lord speaking over you? And like Mary's words, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. So how do we fill the jars? I want, I want to give you three pretty basic things as we fast. I think this word is so timely in the, in the start of this fast that we take it as a, a guide and as a way to really lean into what the Lord is speaking. But I wrote three things, and it's in, it's in the app there. Three things I think that would help us as we navigate is number one is ask God to lead you every day. I know this seems very simple, but can I tell you that you need the Lord's leadership in your life? Jesus told the disciples, you know, he told them when he went up to heaven, he said, go to Jerusalem and wait there until the Holy Spirit comes because he understood something. They needed leadership. In your Christian walk, when we get set free of sin, we go from being mastered by sin to now being mastered by the one who cares for us. Sin wants to drag you to death. He wants to take you to life. In fact, he said it like this. He said, I give you life and life abundantly. That's beyond what you can get on this earth. And so when we go from being mastered by sin and all of a sudden now we give our heart to Jesus, the one who cares for us, the one who looks out for us. We sing about it all the time. Our good father, right? The miracle worker. And that's the one we serve. We need his leadership in our life. And an invitation is not for the Lord to be aware that you need guidance, okay? We're not saying, Lord, come in so that he can be aware that we need his help. No, when we say, Lord, come in, it creates a correct perspective for us. When we invite the Lord, we give that invitation. You know what it does? It changes you and me. It gives us the right heart posture to see we can't do it without him. We're not going to be able to do this life without him. We're not going to be able to do the next move without him. And so we ask God every day, Lord, lead me. In fact, some of us, multiple times a day. I know there's lots of times throughout the day, I'm like, I need you again, Lord, lead me. <laughs> Number two, make a commitment to say yes before you have the answer. This is hard probably because we've been burned so many times by other people. Who, when they've told us to do something and... They've asked us for a commitment and we've said, yes, we didn't know what was on the other side of that commitment. 
And so when we said yes, and then we got in and found out that it wasn't what we thought it was going to be, it probably comes from that. It's that filter of saying, yes, Lord, as long as you don't. How many have ever prayed that? Lord, I'll do it as long as I can still have this. Or Lord, I'll go there, but don't call me to do anything that's outside of my comfort zone. You know I'm an Enneagram blank. You know I'm not a people person. So Lord, don't call me to do anything that's going to cause me to be uncomfortable. But this is making a commitment to say, Lord, you have my best interest in mind. And I love the, the picture of when he said, take some to the, the, the leader. Take some of that out of the jar to the leader. And they're looking at each other like, you want us to take the water we just put in there to the leader? You know how ignorant that's going to look? When we show up and he's like, hey, where's the wine? And you're like, uh, Jesus said to give you this. But it's making a commitment that we trust him even when we can't see the outcome. It's saying, yes, Lord, because I know that you have my best interest in mind. And we, we stake, stake on the promise that all things are caused to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. And so we pre-decide. We got to pre-decide. Yes, Lord. My answer will be yes, whatever you say. Whatever you say. Pre-decide now that you can't see all the details, but he can. Pre-decide now that he knows best and you don't. Isn't that so hard? When we decide, all right, Lord, you know best, even though I can see it's not going to work. That's my big thing. Like, I can already see eight reasons why this thing will not work. I can already see, Lord, you haven't done it these past three years. So why would this year be any different? Lord, I've tried to do that, tried to start that habit, tried to get involved with it. But Lord, I keep failing every single time. He's saying, fill the jar, fill the jar, pre-commit to me to say yes. And then the third thing comes off of the scripture where he tells the servants to fill the water and they fill it to the brim. My third thing to you is fill it to the brim. Fill it to the brim. Don't just do it. Do it 150%. If he tells you to fill that jar, you fill that thing to the brim. If he tells you to give, man, put an extra zero on that thing and give. And be, be excited about what you're filling. I think the thing is that on the other side of his word is the unknown, right? The obedience is that bridge between what we know and what he is capable of. And so when we trust him and we don't just say, yes, Lord, a little bit. Yes, Lord, I'll give you a, a little bit. No, we say, Lord, I'm 150% in. If you said fill the jar, I don't understand it, but I'm gonna give you a lot to work with. If, if you said put things into that, all right, God, doesn't make any sense, but I'm giving 150% because I know that whatever's in the jar, whatever you touch becomes something that I am not capable to do. But it's outside of my hands and into yours. And how many know in his hands, anything is possible. The Bible says and nothing is impossible with our God. Woo! That's who we serve. That's who we know. That's who we trust. And that's who we're filling it. So I tell you, if he calls you to fill the jar, fill it to the brim. Fill that thing to overflowing. Commit to give 150% to the Lord. As Sean comes, we're going to worship. And I, I want to 
encourage you to come to the altar today and find that jar. I believe that this is going to be a fast where the Lord's going to speak to you. You're going to be journaling, listening to the word, listening to worship music, and the Lord's going to put something on your heart. It's something you've been praying over. You're like, God, I'm out of wine. God, I'm out of what I've tried to build. God, I've been preparing and planning for this thing, and the Lord's going to show you the jar. He's going to show you the jar. I want to pray today for the second thing, the commitment to say yes. And the third thing, to fill it to the brim. Say, Lord, yes, I commit to you because he is faithful.